Hello and welcome to Nakubo and Brief, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. On this series, we explore the opportunities and challenges facing the higher education business office. And on this episode, we'll look at a really interesting initiative at Metropolitan State University, Denver, where they looked at and addressed minimum wage on their campus. Joining me to talk about this is Chris Harder, MSU Denver's Senior Fiscal Operations Manager for Student Affairs. Chris, so glad you could be able to join us for this podcast episode. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Great, great. I was wondering, first, before we get into this this minimum wage issue, and, and I'm kind of teasing it here, but uh, wondering first if you could just tell us a brief little bit about yourself and your institution, MSU Denver, please. So I've been in my current role at MSU Denver for um, four years as of December. I've been with the institution just about five years now overall. And in that time, obviously, MSU has gone through a lot of change. But overall, MSU is an urban commuter-based institution. Um, We are not a residential campus. We don't have any on-campus student housing. So all of our students, whether they are living within the city of Denver or elsewhere in the metro area or even further abroad in Colorado, all of our students are commuting to campus. We are state-funded primarily and tuition-funded. That's where most of our revenue comes from. We're a mission-focused institution, and we really focus on serving traditionally underserved populations of students. So we serve high populations of transfer students. We serve high populations of first-generation students, high populations of Pell-eligible students, students of color, and we've been designated a Hispanic-serving institution. Um, So that's kind of a snapshot on, like, who we are as an institution. So we're talking minimum wage here and some interesting things that you at your institution did, but... My understanding is that this wasn't driven necessarily by, I mean, there was there was stuff happening outside of your institution that kind of kicked all of this off, right? Yes, that's exactly correct. So tell me, tell me what, what happened. Let, let, let's hear what's going on outside of the institution that then kind of tease, use that to tease what, what you all did. Yeah. So um, in 2019, uh, the Denver City Council voted to implement a, a phased minimum wage increase in the city over the course of the next three years. Um, After that point, beginning January 1st, 2023, so now, um, the city has switched to an inflation or cost of living based minimum wage increase annually. So we've increased minimum wage four times over the past four years. Uh, Minimum wage was $12 an hour in Denver back in 2019, which was then the state minimum wage also, um, and then increased every year and is currently at $17.29 per hour. So Essentially, the city, you know, implemented this change, announced the change, and MSU found ourselves in a really interesting spot. Um, I think for most of the folks I work with, budget managers and directors, and even myself at the time, we were kind of under the impression like MSU Denver is required to follow this same minimum wage. We were kind of anticipating, oh, we're probably going to have to raise minimum wage. Well, our legal team worked with the state and the state advised us and our legal team agreed that MSU Denver as a state institution was if we wanted to be exempt from following Denver City minimum wage. Interesting. Yeah, despite the fact that our campus is located in the city. In the city, yeah. yeah. Um, so it was kind of an interesting position we found ourselves in where, you know, we were like, oh, we thought we were going to have to spend this money and increase minimum wage in line with the city. And now we're being told, oh, you don't have this legal obligation. It's it's up to you all as an institution to decide what you're going to do here. Okay, so then it, my understanding is you said, okay, even though we don't have to, we're going to dip our toes into this? 
<laughs> yeah. And I think um, for many of us coming from the budget and finance perspective, it, it's kind of a counterintuitive conclusion we came to. If somebody tells you, you can save costs by, you know, not increasing wages from a budget perspective, you're like, yes, this helps me balance the budget. This is a good thing. Um, I'm excited about this. But Really a conversation, uh, well, kind of multiple conversations were happening at the senior leadership level. There was a conversation about what are the financial implications of this? If we do raise minimum wage, what does it look like? What are the considerations for our students? What is going to be the impact to our students? Many of our students are uh, working full time as they're pursuing their education. Many are single parents or just parents in general who are you know, working and providing for their families as they're completing our education. Uh, many of our students are student employees, and we know that the student employment experience is really closely correlated with uh, retention outcomes for those students who are student employees. So those are kind of the conversations happening at the senior leadership level. And for the folks in the department level, I think there was a really strong sense of we are going to increase minimum wage because this is the right thing to do for our students. So I wouldn't I don't know if it was like a single, you know, one person leading the charge as much as kind of these two levels of conversations that were happening that were kind of honing in on the impacts to our students are are going to be huge if we do this or if we don't do this. Something else that we talked about a lot was competitiveness. Um, as I said, many of our students are employees. Now, if we made the decision to not increase minimum wage in line with the city of Denver, if we maintain state minimum wage, we were wondering, some of us were wondering, myself included, how does that affect our competitiveness in attracting and retaining hourly employees relative to other employers in the city of Denver who are going to be sure. raising minimum wage? How does it, you know, our, uh, we have a couple competitor institutions in the city of sure. Denver, friend, friends and competitors, you know, <laughs> uh, how how are we looking in terms of competitiveness to them? So those were all, you know, factors that that were talked about. So it was a much more, you know, from the budget side of things, it was a pretty easy, well, this is going to cost us a ton of money. Is this really something we want to be doing? And it, it kind of came around to this is an investment we're making in in the institution and in our students. And so, so leadership was was all on board. Was this something that you you know? Did you flip a switch? Did the institution flip a switch? Like, was this a phased in to kind of mirror what was going on with the city? How how does something like that? How do you implement something like that? Yeah. So it, it um so the city announced this uh or you know voted on this back in 2019. Our institution debated over most of the course of 2020, or the senior leadership team, I should say, was debating over most of the course of 2020, and. Obviously, in the background all of all of this was the beginnings of COVID and uh, yeah. the uncertainty. It's good time to be time. doing some of that, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and so it was definitely a, a longer conversation. Um, ultimately, the city was going to begin implementing uh, their minimum wage increases January first, twenty twenty one, and uh, so we had to announce some sort of decision before that. And ultimately, in fall, uh, September of twenty twenty, is when we announced to the student body we were going to go ahead with this. You mentioned recruiting employees. What what other kind of benefits have you have you seen with with this initiative? This one is very much an anecdotal benefit. I don't have a lot of uh, data based evidence to back this up, but my personal opinion is that during COVID, especially when we were seeing really high rates of vacancies among non student employees, among salaried employees, and non-student hourly employees, um, we really were relying on our student employees to perform 
very basic mission critical functions in many of our departments because those departments just had so many vacancies among full-time staff. And it is my personal belief if we had not increased minimum wage, we would have been much less competitive than other minimum wage employers in the city at the same time. And I truly believe many of our students would have left and sought higher wages with other employers in the city. And I shudder to think what that would have looked like if we had hemorrhaged student employees at the same level we were hemorrhaging hemorrhaging salaried employees at that time. Right, right. So was this was this only uh, student employees we're, we're talking about here? This was, was just for student employees? I mean, how does... If it was or if it wasn't, what what does that look like for the rest of the campus community, too? That is a a really good question, yes. Uh, No, it was not just for student employees. So uh, we also had to consider, you know, equity considerations for our salaried employees. So uh, MSU has now implemented a, we're calling it a salary floor. Um, As of 2023, we're just over $41,000 currently. Um, And so we obviously looked at hourly rates and currently a minimum wage worker working 40 hours a week in the city of Denver working full time for a year earns about the equivalent to a salary of just under $36,000. So we've kind of built in um, that consideration to ensure that our salaried employees, you know, are still being equitably compensated relative to the hourly employees. Um, It also impacted non-student hourly employees. So we do have Um, a number of both temporary hourly employees and permanent hourly positions. Um, Those folks were also impacted by this increase. And um, an additional unanticipated impact was uh, work-study student employees. So let's talk about that. Yeah, that one. uh, Yeah, unanticipated consequences. So obviously, work-study awards are awarded on a per-student basis by need. And those amounts aren't going to change based on our minimum wage rate. But equitably, we knew it was going to be completely unfair and create two different classes of employees. If you're saying, oh, we're going to keep minimum wage, you know, at a lower level for work-study employees, and we're going to pay higher for non-work-study employees, that that just wasn't fair. The consequence, of course, being students are burning through their work-study awards faster. It's been really important to us as an institution, especially within student affairs, that we're trying to proactively address any issues as a result of that. We never want to have a situation where a department has to come to a student and say, hey, you ran through your work-study award, and now we can't employ you anymore, even though, you know, you've got half the semester left, and now you got to go find another hourly job. So um, it's created a lot of situations where we're trying to anticipate issues before they arise and proactively identify other, you know, sources of funding in cases where work-study is not carrying students as far as it used to carry them. Interesting. And and so the response has been has been well received, I would imagine. Yes, 100%. I mean, I, you know, anecdotally, obviously, I do feel it was very much the right decision to make for our students. Um, it certainly has helped us reta- attract and retain good talent. I know of many positions we are now hiring recently graduated former student employees as salaried employees at MSU Denver. And if you talk to those folks, like their experience working in student employment was great. They have great things to say about, you know, the pay. Um, So it's kind of helped create this informal pipeline now. um, Right, because they... Those folks make great kind of long-term employees, too, uh, down the line. Absolutely. And I mean, they're our best brand ambassadors, right? Like, you know, it doesn't get better than somebody who's like, hey, I was a student here and I loved it so much I wanted to go work there and now I love working there. Like, yeah, that's amazing. So and this is this is now kind of 
baked into your 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 institution's budgets and and this is just life now going forward right it is uh <laughs> and uh, you know now we find ourselves um honestly in kind of uncharted waters because at the time this was announced to be clear, what was announced to students was the decision we were going to implement this phased minimum wage. And now we have actually kind of gone beyond that commitment because we've continued to raise minimum wage once we switched over to the inflation-based minimum wage. And so, you know, where we go from here, I don't see us ever backing away from this decision. I think the negative impacts to our students would be you know, many, uh, I think the optics would be terrible and it would just be the wrong thing to do. But yeah, it's going to keep being an added cost year over year. No, no doubt for sure. Uh, I also want to to ask, and, and I don't mean to put you on the spot and certainly no, don't want you to be in a position to speak for other institutions, but say anecdotally, are you hearing any, is there interest uh, among other schools in your area uh, in doing something similar? Or are you kind of the outlier um, are you setting a trend? I mean, this is a, kind of an interesting place to be. Are you, or are you out there all alone? I'm just, I'm curious to see what. Yeah, I mean, uh, so to be honest, um, are other the other schools in Denver? Um, as far as I know, I believe all of the other schools also implemented, you know, the phased minimum okay. wage and now cost of living base. So, in terms of other schools located in the city, I think we're comparable with those. So, I think this isn't something that necessarily sets us apart from them. It certainly sets us apart from other employers in the area, though, um, and it's definitely a competitiveness, sure. competitiveness factor in terms of other universities located on the Colorado front range for us. Right, right. And we could probably uh, spend a fair amount of time on this, and I, I find this fascinating um, from just kind of an implementation standpoint, but also just, uh, as you were saying, and that this is this is the right thing to do and, and, and going forward, and and I'm I'm thrilled that your institution has has made a commitment like this to to employees uh, to make sure that they're they're receiving you know a, a, a living wage here. Uh, and I don't want to get into too many of the particulars, but like folks are probably listening to this and saying, okay, well that's that's an institution in a city where you know. They've made this decision, and that's just not something that that we could do. Whether they're thinking about something like this down the road or not, any kind of just like from your perspectives, questions they might consider. You know, if, if this is something that they're just pondering, and 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 how how they might navigate just that, even having conversations about this, because I imagine this can be a touchy subject for campuses because this is a significant expense that as you started off with, it is not something that you have to do. The law, the law doesn't dictate that you have to do this. So you're electing to do this, increasing um, expenses at an institution. What, what should folks, you know, consider, think about um, questions to ask just internally as they're thinking about this, or just getting their heads around the concept, right? Because I think it's, it's, for many, it's it's such a foreign concept. Yeah, yeah. Do spending more money when you don't have to is definitely a, a foreign concept for many of us in the budget world. Uh, yeah. So some decision factors are, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying this is the right solution for every university. It was the right solution for us in our particular context, especially given our student body and the populations we serve. But you know, I think you really need to ask yourself about you know, the mission of your university and the population served first and foremost. When thinking about your student body, think about how many of your students are paying their own way through college. How many of your students are 
parents, how many of your students are Pell eligible or receiving some form of financial aid, how many of your students are minimum wage earners, that's a huge one, um, along with how many are student employees, of course. How many of your departments are relying on student employees to literally perform mission critical functions? Because I, I know in, it's more of our departments than I wish it was. <laughs> you know, we don't live in the perfect world. We wish we did. And, you know, what would the budget impact of a minimum wage increase look like is a question you need to ask. And then you need to follow that up with what does the financial impact of not increasing minimum wage look like? If you make yourself less competitive and you lose student hourly employees who are performing some of those mission-critical functions, what's it going to cost you to pay a non-student employee to replace those mission-critical functions? In many cases, we know that's going to cost you much more than it would cost a student hourly worker. You know, so these are some things to think about. Think about the context in your city and your state. How do you compare to your state's minimum wage? How do you compare to the federal minimum wage? How do you compare to the cost of uh, living in your area? I think, Brian, you said we can put some notes uh, in the podcast notes after. Um, I'd love to throw the MIT's Living Wage Calculator tool in there. It's a wonderful tool that helps you identify, uh, you know, actual minimum wage in your locality and also cost of living. And based on the type of minimum wage earner, if that person is a single parent or if they're a dual income earner or, you know, all sorts of demographic criteria, you can kind of learn what that person would need to earn on an hourly rate to earn a living wage in your area. So just meeting your legal obligations of minimum wage um, is the bare minimum, frankly. And I think... There's a reason that, yeah, minimum. Yeah, is, yeah literally. That's right in there in the name. It, it is the minimum, for sure. And I, I think institutions have an obligation to at least ask themselves the question of, are they paying their students a living wage, even if you're paying them minimum wage? may not be the same thing. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, and we'll definitely we'll definitely include that in the in the show notes. Chris... This has been fascinating. I, like I said, I, I wish we could talk about this all day. It's really great to see some of the work that your institution is doing out there and um, hope it, at the very least, like, like we were saying, just gets folks asking some questions maybe and, and having some conversations on their campuses to see if this is something that might work. You know, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. And um, would love maybe perhaps even down the road to, to check in with you and see how things are, see how things are going uh, a, a little down the road. But um, really, really great uh, having you here with us. This has been just a phenomenal conversation, Chris. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me, Brian. I appreciate of it. Of course. And as always, thank you to all our listeners. We hope you tell a friend or a colleague about this podcast so that you and they can join us on the next episode of Nakubo in Brief. Take care, everyone. 